welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Okay, good morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, just want to just raise your hands, see how many visitors we've got. Well, let's just give them a welcome, shall we? It's great to have you with us. I've just come back from my holidays, so you can see I'm a little bit browner than I was before I went. For those that know me, I've been on the west coast of France for two weeks, which is very nice, very relaxing. Not too much time not doing enough, too much time eating too much, and paying for it later, as uh, these things do. But uh, getting back into the swing of things now, and uh, already managed to lose the weight I put on while I was away, so that's good news. In one week, I've lost all that, so I need to lose a bit more, but that's good news. So, sorry? Obviously not, no. No, I was being very careful on holiday, or trying to be anyway. So holidays are great times, aren't they, just to kind of relax, unwind, take time out, maybe reassess things. And I went on holiday specifically this time. It was just me and Sally. We had two weeks just on our own and uh, quiet, peace, really nice. Uh, but I went with the intention, I said, God, I really need you to speak to me. I want to hear from you. I don't just want to go on a holiday and switch off. I actually want to hear from you. And God's good in that he speaks. He doesn't always speak in the way you'd like him to or hope he would. He sometimes challenges things that you wish he hadn't. He touches things in your life you wish he'd leave alone, uh, but he doesn't. So I've kind of been going through a bit of a process while I've been away on holiday and um, God spoke to me quite clearly about some things. So I've done quite a bit of repenting while I've been away. Uh, I've done some readjustment in my life because um, God spoke and it was great and I'm glad he did. I kind of had a book on my heart I wanted to read while I was away. I've got a kind of stack of books piling up. Um, there's one book that um, really just caught me. I felt God say to read it while I was away, and it's probably one of the most challenging books I've read in a very long time. Uh, His title is uh, Driven by Eternity by a guy called John Bevere. Uh, Really challenging, really challenging. And uh, God just spoke to me so clearly through it, uh, which was really helpful, uh, but I've had to make some adjustments in my life and change things around a bit because God spoke. And so I'm hoping this morning as we come to the Word of God, God will speak. Is that your expectation this morning? We're on a start. Great. Brilliant. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1 then. My favorite book in the Bible. And um, has the Wi-Fi gone off? Because my tablet now won't work. (laughs) Oh, it's back on. I've obviously not stood... That is not a good position standing for Wi-Fi in this building. (laughs) Here we go. So Ephesians chapter 1. If I brought my physical Bible, my hand, my pages will drop out of Ephesians because I've read it so many times, been in there so many times, it just falls apart now. So I'll read it from here. So I'm starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons 
through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, were, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Isn't that good stuff? I love it. I just love Ephesians. I love the truth that's in there. That, uh, Paul just brings out some wonderful truths. And one thing, I don't know whether you noticed as we went through that passage, but either in Christ or in him was mentioned ten times. Ten occurrences in just those few verses. It says, in Christ or in him. And I've been, this is a word I kind of wanted to preach a few weeks, months ago now actually. It's been living in me, it's been maturing in me perhaps a bit over the last few weeks as God spoke to me through it. But I want to look at what it means for us to be in Christ. What are the benefits of us of being in Christ? If you are born again, if you are saved, truly saved, belong to Jesus, you're in Christ. It's the only way you ever came to faith. There's only one way to the Father, and it's Jesus. And you are in Christ. If you're saved, you're in him. So that uh, presence, that relationship, that being part of the family is based all on this one thing. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Because it's in Christ we find who we are, who you really are, who you're ever meant to be. It's all found in him. i not who I really was until I came to Jesus. Although I know this, I was born, I was born for the purposes of God. Do you know that? Do you know that you were born for the purposes of God? You don't just happen to be here. You're not just an accident. It's not just that somewhere along the way in your life, you became a Christian by chance. You were born to be in Christ. That's why you're here. That's why I exist. It's by being in Christ, we find out how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to be doing. And right from the start of the meeting, I just felt God speak to me about you. I've seen you in a dream. And God just spoke to me. And God's got a plan for your life. And it's about being in Christ. And God's giving you a heart after himself. And I just want to say to you, you've got to pursue it. You've got to pursue it with everything you've got, with all your energy and everything. Pursue that heart that God's putting in you for Christ and follow it with passion because God's got some amazing doors to open for you. But it's as you pursue him and as you go for him in that way. Okay. See, God's got a plan for us that we are to live in him. That actually our life is meant for him to bring glory and honor to his name, to live in 
Christ. You see, God had his eye on us even before we came to know him. doesn't matter what age you, become to know, you come to know Jesus. No matter how old you are, whether it's early in life or later in life, God had a plan to rescue you. God had a plan to save you. And so it doesn't matter when that happens. God knows and God intended. For me, I was eight years old. But actually, for me, my mum became a Christian when she was two months pregnant with me. I was destined to be here for the purposes of God. Because God knew. What was even more amazing was, many years later, I preached the gospel in the very room that my mum got saved. And saw people saved and healed. Because God had a plan and a destiny. God's got a plan and a destiny for every one of our lives. But it's found in Christ. It's in Christ. Once you heard the truth of the gospel and believed it, the message of salvation, we found ourselves home. We found home. We found where we belong. We found where our home is. We found our family that we truly belong to. And it's in God. While God puts us in natural families, it's only a mirror of something far greater in heaven, of the family of God in heaven, that we're once, one day going to be joined with for eternity. It's just a mirror image of it, of what already exists in heaven. We've been signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit, the seal of our salvation in Christ Jesus. You see, the thing is, there's some wonderful truths just in this short passage that we're going to unpack a little bit more about being in Christ, but they can just be conceptual truths. They can just be concept in our minds. They can just be, yeah, it sounds good, it reads well, enjoy the passage, sounds great, but it's not living and active in our lives. And actually, it's not until we truly believe them that they start changing us and transforming our lives, the way we live, the way we think, our attitudes are not changed until we believe the truth. Otherwise, they're just concept. They're just good concept. And I want to change some here that may have just good concepts into truly believing and having their lives transformed by the power of the Word of God. It's breathtaking to get hold of what it really means to be in Christ. It's amazing. To be united with him. To be bound to Christ. So let's look at what it looks like to be in Christ Jesus. And I've got, if we get time, 13 points. So, sorry. <laughs> we'll get there as quick as we can, okay? In Christ, you've been given grace before the foundation of the world. You believe that? Okay, where do we get it from? Sorry? Jesus. Well, yeah, we go from Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.19 says, Grace, says this, He gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So if you're writing this down, 2 Timothy 1.9, He gave us grace before the ages began. Right back in eternity, before God created, there was grace for you to be in Christ Jesus. What is grace? The unmerited favor of God. It's us getting what we don't deserve. That's grace. We don't deserve 
forgiveness of sin. We don't deserve adoption as sons and daughters. We don't deserve to be in Christ, but we get it because of grace. Imputed to us through Jesus. And it's in him. Number two. In Christ, you were chosen by God before creation. That's what it says, what we just read in Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 4. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So no matter when that happened, it actually happened before you ever existed. So no matter what time of life that comes, it actually happened way before. The foundation of the earth. God chose you. Can you get your head around that one? I can't. just can't get my head around it. I can't understand that somehow, way back before God created everything, and the millions of, billions of people that ever lived on the earth, somehow God chose me, saw me, and picked me out at the right time. How does he do that? Because he's God. And I can't give you any other explanation than that, because it's way beyond my capability. God is amazing that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Are you not bowled over by this stuff? Come on, it's got me. It's really got into me, this. And I want to live more out of what it is to be in Christ. I want to live that life out of what it is that I'm in Christ. So what does that life look like? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for his church to live out that life in Christ like this? So in number four, oh, we know number three. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead, trying to rush on. In Christ, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. An inseparable love. No matter what you do, no matter how far you wonder, God's love will come and get you. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. It'll come and get you. And it'll come and get you at the most inconvenient moment. It'll come and get you when you're not looking for him. It'll come and get you when you don't want him. But it's inseparable love. Because if you know God, he will pursue you with his love. Because he loves you. Ephesians 1, 7. It is, no, sorry, Romans 8. I'm jumping, I keep jumping on to number 4. Why? Romans 8, 38, 39. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what a truth. What a reality. What a life to live, knowing you are unconditionally loved. You don't get that kind of unconditional love anywhere else. It doesn't exist on the earth, only with Jesus. Do we get that unconditional love? It's amazing. You are loved with an unconditional love that you cannot escape, even if you tried. You can't do it. It's amazing. Okay, we will get to number four now. How are we doing? In Christ Jesus, you were redeemed and forgiven for all your sins, past, present, future, dealt with on the cross. Jesus carried the whole lot, put it on the cross, nailed to the cross, done with. That doesn't mean say we still don't get things wrong sometimes, but when we come back and we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us because he's already paid for it. It's already dealt with. We just have to acknowledge it. 
We just have to deal with it. And it's not that. It's a one-off sin repentance prayer. The day we get saved and we never have to say it again. Of course we do. Because we're not infallible, are we? Let's be honest. We're not infallible. We get it wrong sometimes. But there's this wonderful thing called grace and forgiveness. That the moment, the moment, and the moment we turn to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, I want to turn away from that, we are forgiven. The enemy would tell you something different. The enemy would say, say it again. No, no, come on, you're not forgiven yet. Say it again. Come on, are you sure? Do you think you should just do it again? No. The moment we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanses what? From all unrighteousness. That's everything. The moment we come to him, because actually I believe this. You see, all, it's not just unrighteousness, being, about being righteous. It's about everything not being right. So I believe that when people come in true repentance and faith in Christ, they can get, not only get their sins for him, but they can get free from sickness and any oppression and anything that, that they may need to get free from, they can be free. Because God puts everything right that is wrong. If we genuinely come in true repentance and faith, God can set us free. So when we come to him and we confess our sin, he will set us free if it's genuine. Saying sorry and going out and doing the same thing again is not genuine repentance. It's not genuine turning away. Repentance means to turn away. We choose to turn away. We choose to leave and go another direction. Now, I have had to do that over this last fortnight while I've been away. Things I'd held in my heart of circumstances and situations that didn't go my way, that didn't go the way I thought they should, that have left me with some disappointment, some hurt, some pain. I've had to repent. I've had to repent of things people said during that time. And I kind of was able to identify a bit with Job, who listened to his kind of soothsayers who came to kind of encourage him, but actually they didn't tell him the truth. They tell him loads of stuff, and he believed it. And we have to be careful what we listen to, where we go to, because it can affect our responses to what happens in our life. And that's why we need to come back to, I'm actually a child of God, and I'm in Christ, and he's good, and he works all things for good to those who love him. So actually, why am I going anywhere else other than to Jesus to get the answers? Why am I going anywhere else to deal with stuff other than to Jesus? Why am I listening to other things other than to Jesus in my life? I want to encourage us that actually, whatever happens, no matter what's going on in your life, wherever you are, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, don't go anywhere else, go to Jesus. And go to him until you get the answer. And don't give up. Okay? We're on a bit of a race here. Number five. In Christ Jesus, you are justified before God and the righteousness of Christ of God in Christ is imputed to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, Christ, uh, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You have been justified. You stand before the Father. You're presented by Christ Jesus before the Father as one as having no sin. Just as if I'd never sinned. What justified means. Just as if I'd never sinned, ever, in the past, present, or future, I stand righteous before a holy God. And the only way I can stand righteous before a holy God is through Jesus. 
Because God looks at me through him and sees what he's done on the cross. And I'm free. Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful news. Number six. In Christ, you have become a new creation and a son of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. We've been adopted this whole new creation. You see, this is the issue I have. Raising your hand and kind of signaling, yeah, I, I give my life to Jesus, is not always enough. There's got to be genuine repentance and faith. The only way you become a new creation is by true repentance and faith. You can't do it any other way. Just doing a response in a meeting is not enough. Saying, yeah, I believe you, Jesus. Well, the demons believe Jesus. Demons believe in who, that Jesus is the Son of God. And they fear and tremble. It's not enough just to say, I believe you are you say you are Jesus. Actually, it's repenting of our sin, turning away from all that we have done wrong, and putting our faith and trust fully in Jesus Christ. Do we become a new foundation? That means our old habits go. That means... The things, the sin that easily besets us doesn't anymore. That means that our behavior changes. That means our attitudes change towards people and towards things. It's not the same response as it was before we became a Christian. And if you don't see that fruit in people's lives, then the question is, are they truly saved? Have they truly repented? Are they truly a new creation? Because it says here that we should be. It says here that if we're in Christ Jesus... Through him, we are a new creation. We're different to what we were before that day we repented. We've got to be different. There's got to be change. Now, it is ongoing change. But this change, this transformation, and if that hasn't taken place, if there's not been a dramatic change in our lives, then we need to come back to this and repent again. And say, God, I want repentance that brings change. I want faith that brings change in my life. I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't already, let's do it. In Christ, you have been seated in heavenly places even while he lived on earth. God raised us up with, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians 2, 16. It's not a position we're just to aspire to. Okay? It's not something our goal is... I'm going to get to be seated with Christ in heavenly places one day. It happens now. The moment we believe we're in Christ Jesus, we're actually now seated with him in heavenly places. That means when we come to pray, we have his ear. We have his attention. Because we're with him. We're right with him where he is in heavenly places. So it doesn't have to be a hardship. It doesn't have to be a battle. Yes, it does perhaps have to be perseverance. But you don't have to be hard or a battle. And there's times when the heavens feel like brass. And your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling back to you. You don't feel like you're getting a breakthrough. But God's still hearing. Because your position is with him in heavenly places. So he's still listening. The answer may take time. It may not be the answer you hoped for or were expecting. But God's still listening. And God's still doing. Because you're in heavenly places. So it's not difficult to talk to God. Because we're with Christ in those places. 
and it shouldn't be difficult. Actually, it should fuel our prayer life, knowing the access we have to the Father because we're seated in heavenly places. should fuel it. We should be talking to him all the time. shouldn't be a hardship. shouldn't be, I set aside my little quiet time for five minutes in the morning before I rush out the door to work or whatever else I'm going to do. For those retired that don't have to rush out and spend a bit more time doing it, it's all right. But, uh, you know, I do it, a lot of it in the car on my way to work. I'm in the car and I'm praying and I'm worshipping and I'm encountering God and I know he's with me in the car. You just have to be careful you don't do that. It's illegal. Or close your eyes. Yeah, well, don't pray with your eyes closed while you're driving, please. It's not good for you or anybody else for that matter. Um, so you just have to be careful. But actually, he's with us. We're in that place. So actually, it doesn't have to be a hardship. Because we can just talk to him all day, every day. You know, where I work, they set up a prayer room. So you can go to a prayer and think, I don't need a prayer room to go and pray. Because he's with me all the time. I can pray right here, sat at my desk. I don't need to go anywhere else to pray. I do need to get away sometimes to get peace and quiet. So I go for a walk. But actually, I don't need to go to a prayer room to pray. And lay out my mat to pray. I don't have to do that. Because actually, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I've got his attention. I've got his ear. He's listening. Whew, I don't know if we're going to make it. <clears throat> Number eight. In Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes for you. Do you believe that? That's a tough one to believe. That every promise God's ever made is yes for you. God's saying a big yes. We can claim every single one. What was first to the children of Israel, to those chosen by God, we are now included in all those promises that God made to Abraham are all ours in Christ Jesus. They all come down to us because we're part of the family line. We've been included. We're adopted as sons, so they're all ours to have. Every one. We can claim those promises. And we can live in the good of those promises and actually, we can ask God to lead us into the fullness of those promises. That's been one of my constant prayers over many years now, is God, would you lead me in the fullness of your promise? Lead me in the fullness that I may know the fullness of your promise for my life. Every good promise he's ever made. It's yes for us, if we believe. Two, uh, one, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, if you're writing verses down. Every good promise, it's ours to have. Take hold of, live in the good of. Now we say, it doesn't always mean that we're living the good of it right now. But we can be led into the good, living in the good of that promise. Number nine. About this time, you know, on Sunday morning, it all starts crackling, doesn't it? About 10 to 12. I wonder what happens at 10 to 12 that causes it to crackle. Early warning to stop preaching. Is that it? Okay. <laughs> Whew. Not if we're going to make it then. Okay. Number nine. In Christ Jesus, you are being sanctified and made holy. There's a work of the Spirit of God within you that is continually changing. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another, it says in Corinthians. We don't stay as we are. God doesn't save us to stay as we are. He saves us to change us and to make us more like Jesus. So we are being changed. That's what sanctified means is we are being changed into his likeness. And it's a journey. It's a process. You know, we're all under construction. 
in God. We're not the finished product the day we get saved. We're fully saved. We're fully accepted. But actually, God's changing us to make us more like Jesus. And one day, we will be gloriously like him when we get there. Won't that be good? Oh, I'll have a perfect body. Be brilliant. Can't wait. I'll be handsome as well. It'll be wonderful. I won't have grey hair anymore, perhaps. It's going greyer the more sometime I get to it. My body and hair goes greyer. It's horrible. The grandkids didn't recognise me when I got back. Well, there's grey hair. Right, okay, number 10. In Christ Jesus, everything you really need will be supplied. Not your wants, not your desires. Everything you really need will be supplied in Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. Who? In Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. He knows exactly what you need before you ask. But he likes us to ask anyway. But he knows exactly what we need. Exactly what you need, he knows. He's already heard it. He's already made provision for it. We just have to ask and believe and trust in him to provide our need. And he's good at, he's good at supplying our needs. I have to say, God being God, being good as he is, sometimes he gives us our wants as well. But he doesn't promise our wants. He promises our need. But he does give us some wants too. And he's good like that. I like him for that. In fact, I love him for that. That actually, he knows some of our desires. He knows things that are in our heart. And some of them are things that are being put there by God. God's put some desires in us. And some of you here this morning, you've got longings and desires in your heart that have been put there by God. And the way to possess them is to know who you are in Christ and pursue them and put your faith and trust in him and you'll attain all those things. I want to encourage you to pursue the desires that you've got in your heart. Pursue them in Christ, not for yourself, not trying to make it happen. I've done this. I've kind of had something from God and it's been a desire as well and you kind of have it confirmed prophetically and you think, that's wonderful, that's great. Now, how do I make it happen? And I can't. It doesn't work. Because it's got to be in Christ. It's got to be in him. He's got to work it out and make it happen for me. I can't do it. It's in his time, in his plan, and in his purpose, and not mine. And that's hard to come to terms with sometimes. Because he never does anything. God works on a need-to-know basis. And most of the time, I don't need to know, it seems. (laughs) So I want to encourage you. We have to trust God. And we have to believe God. And pursue him that he will fulfill those desires and longings he's put within us. Okay? So, he knows what you need before you ask, but you've got to ask anyway. And keep asking until you get it. Number 11. In Christ Jesus, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. There's a peace that you can't explain. There's a peace that you couldn't describe to anybody else. You just know you've got it. You just know you've got something in your heart, a peace that comes, and it comes because we're secure in who we are in Christ Jesus. He's God in our heart. He's God in our mind. And we have to allow him to do that and not fill our mind with other junk, 
We have to be careful what we watch, careful what we read, careful what we listen to, that actually we don't fill ourselves with junk, but we fill ourselves with the truth and the word of God that does us good and builds us up and strengthens us. We have to partner with God in guarding our own minds, and he will guard our heart. So I want to encourage you, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you read, because it's not all good for you. And I want to encourage you to do that. Philippians 4.7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Where? In Christ Jesus. You get it? Well, you are anyway. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. Number 12. In Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. Wow, I'm looking forward to that bit. I'm looking forward to eternal life. That's why I've been reading this book, kind of driven by eternity, because actually I want to make sure... Um, Paul writes in one of the, his epistles, he says, make your election sure. There's a responsibility on us. It's not all on him. There's a responsibility on us to make our election sure, and that is that we pursue the things of God, that we pursue him that we truly believe and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and follow him all the days of our life. It's a responsibility to make our election sure. And this book was really challenging that whole thing of, are you making your election sure? Are you making sure you're going to make it in eternity? Because it's one thing putting your hand up and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and then living your life how you please. Because that's not actually making him Lord and Savior of your life. Living how we please. Actually, to make him Lord and Savior of life, we live how he wants us to live, not how we want to live. But we have eternal life. And it says this, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's won it for us on the cross. It's certain he's living forever and we can too. Brilliant news. It's the good news of the gospel. Sin's forgiven. Eternal life. I love it. If you haven't got it, get it. Okay, number 13. And in Christ, you will be raised from the dead at the coming of our Lord Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. All those united... With Adam, who live in Adam, will surely die. But those who live in Christ Jesus will surely live forever. And when Jesus comes again, we will be raised with him. So it's going to be a wonderful day. They say the days are drawing near, the days are short. The coming of the Lord draws nearer. Whether I'll be alive still when he comes back or not, who knows. But it'll be a great day when he comes back for those who are in Christ Jesus. It'll be an awful day for those who aren't. So let's be in Christ Jesus, ready for his coming. Good. I think God's making me ready. I don't know I'm ready yet. I think he's working in me. I think he's changing me to make me ready. I remember Neil's mum, Neil's one of our other elders here. Uh, His mum said to me some years ago, she said, she's quite an elder lady now, and she said, I feel like God's getting me ready for eternity. I said, well, that's not a bad thing then, is it? Not a bad thing. And I think actually for all of us, all the journey of our life, God's getting us ready for eternity. 
So let's let him do his work in us. Let's let him get us ready for eternity that we can be with him and live with him forever. So, wow, I'm on time. Amazing. So at some unconscious level, this is all God's work. He's initiated it. He's fulfilling it. He's working it out. It's all him. And he's going to bring it to fullness. So as he who begun a good work in you will fulfill it, finish it. He'll work it out right to the end. He started it. He never doesn't finish what he starts. He's not like us. We're good at starting projects sometimes, good at starting a bit of DIY. There's always something that doesn't quite get finished. In my house, anyway. Certain aspects I really like doing and I'm good at. Other bits I don't like doing, so I'll leave them. So it is. God always finishes what he starts. Every time. It's from God. Not from us. From God that you're in Christ Jesus. Doesn't come from anywhere else. It's from God who out of his great love for humanity sent his son Jesus to make the way for us. It's all about him. And then yet in some conscious level we have to make our own choices. We have to make our own actions. We have to... uh, Put our own faith in this Jesus Christ. We have to choose to do that. It's on us to do that. It's our response to this wonderful Jesus. It's how, what are we going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with these wonderful benefits of what it means to be in Christ Jesus? 